Hello and welcome back to A Method to the Madness, the fortnightly podcast where we discuss, analyze, and otherwise ponder our favorite films and television. I'm your host, Patrick, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mitchie. Hello. And this week we have returning guest, David McNeil. Hello. I'm, listen, I'm great. <laughs> Contrary to what I said before you record, I'm fantastic. I believe you. Thanks for having me, Pat. Yeah, no worries. Always great In my living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And today we are talking about the 2010 film, The Social Network, directed by David Fincher, written by the legendary Aaron Sorkin. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Oh, it's a good one. Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and Justin Timberlake. As always, we'll go around and get our general impressions of the film. We'll start with our guest, David. What do you think of this? Man, I fucking love this picture. I'm going to be real with you both. I love this picture despite the way that Sorkin glamorizes a lot of what all is happening um, mm-hmm. socially and the stuff that Zuckerberg has done since, all of the genocides he's enabled. Um, but I, I, I love the the drama and the way that they, they take this quite uninteresting business narrative. Like, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a story about enterprise business and they make yeah. it into this really interesting interpersonal drama um and that in part is because of the book that it's based on that was specifically written um to be the source material for the film but also it's in part you know we don't often get to mythologize contemporary figures Mm. in narrative it tends to either be like people that have passed away and we do like you know retrospective um biopics or it tends to be um you know like a faithful recreation i like that this is like a stylized kind of mythologization of this period of time um when you know this the fake the the facebook changed what the world forever it it fundamentally Mm. changed the way humans relate to each other and i like that we have a have uh two of the greatest arguably two of the greatest people um, in their respective categories, Aaron Sorkin screenwriting, David Fincher, when it comes to directing and visuals, coming together to create a mythologized version of these events. I just think that's really special. Um, and I'm really glad that it happened. And I'm really grateful that it's out there. I really like this picture. Yeah, well put. I like how <laughs> Zuckerberg has mentioned, or he said something to the effect of like, I don't know why they made this film while I was still alive. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Just so funny, but yeah. He, he said he would have preferred if they made it after he died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. pal. <laughs> well, because he looked at it, he's like, this doesn't make me look very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose, like you say, it's not a very common thing to make a film about someone that's com- like contemporarily relevant at the, at the very minimum, right? So like, yeah. so on, on Stan, I, I don't know if people have seen, but there's this program that's directly about the election of Donald Trump in 2016. I don't know the name of it. I just saw the trailer. And obviously, it's highly critical of, of Donald Trump's um, election in 2016, and it's all about the sca- the scandal, etc. blah, blah, blah. Oh, does that start Jeff Daniels? I, I'm not sure. I, I think I, I've I, I briefly I saw the trailer when I was browsing. Yeah, Stan, and I, I think... was like, and I'm like, Hol-, this came out like six months ago, or not six months ago, but like in the middle of the election period. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's not something you do you know it's not a very common thing where you see something okay sure we don't like most people don't like donald trump the president now but like and not very soon but um but the fact that actually direct something right now about that is kind of interesting and Mm. i guess in a similar way this is kind of another thing like that which is unusual yeah it's quite unique what do you think about it michi um i yeah i i so firstly who's the writer aaron sorkin he did the west why is he legendary because he wrote the West Wing and a bunch of other great stuff. He's revered okay. in newsroom in Hollywood for um, writing, you know, supposedly realistic dialogue, which it isn't at all. Like it's just good, kind of um, compelling good dialogue. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I so I don't know much about him, but I didn't really know much about David Fincher either. I hadn't watched many of his films, and I was looking through his filmography, and like I've only seen one movie, which was Gone Girl. So how, how you have a movie podcast and you meet people in Fincher all yeah, the time, I man? Know. I know. I don't even. I barely knew who David Fincher is, but I've redeemed myself. So I watched this yeah. like three days ago. Then two days ago, I watched Seven. Then one yesterday, no, just before actually, like six hours ago, I watched Fight Club. Dude, Fight so. Club is so good. <laughs> it is. Dude. I preferred Seven. Oh, fuck off. All right. Seven's really good. I haven't seen it in, in many years, but I'm I'm proud of you for going down the Fincher rabbit hole. Mitchie, you, need yeah, to, yeah. you needed to have watched Fight Club when you were an angsty teen, unsure of your masculinity yeah. and your When you hated women. That's yeah. what you needed <laughs> to do when you still thought that women were... You still thought that it was women's fault you weren't attractive instead of you just being a douchebag. That's well, the that's prime the way, age. I, I wasn't... It was, did, well, I mean, I suppose maybe that's how you interpreted it as a unconfident teenager, Patrick, but... Uh, <laughs> that's how every teenager interpreted it. As, as, an, as a grown man now... I interpreted it as um, something else. But anyway, that's a story for another day. In fact, I wouldn't mind doing a podcast on Fight Club. It was very good. But anyway, so watching this, I was like, oh, this is a bit different. Like, because he directed all three of these movies and I was kind of expecting something similar when I watched the other two movies, but um, I didn't at all. And now I've got this kind of idea of what what David Fincher is like. We can talk about that later. But anyway, the movie itself, fucking hell. The Social Network, I did enjoy it. I thought... um, I was very doubtful about the historical accuracy, which is something I take very, I I hold that very important in movies. You know, I don't, if I watch a movie that's based on some sort of history, then I want to make sure that it's either true or it's not. And I know it's not true because I hate it when people just believe things because it's in a movie. I mean, it's just a terrible thing to do. This is wildly inaccurate. So (laughs) yes, it is. but, but they never made the pre, it's not like Jim Cameron's Titanic where he's like, listen, it's going to be historically accurate. This isn't that they from the get, from the jump they were like this is not. We're trying no, to make not, an interesting picture. Like it, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a picture, it's phenomenal. Like I like I said, I've not really watched Fincher before, but like he's just a master director. Like he just knows what he's fucking doing. And even though he doesn't have specific like characteristics and techniques, that's like obviously him. At least not I couldn't identify it straight away from watching three of his movies. But um you know unlike other directors like nolan or anderson or something Mm. but he's just a really fucking good director and all of his movies are solid they're good and i just enjoyed all of this it was it was great see i'd argue that's his stylistic quality is there's nothing overt about his filmmaking except that everything you watch of his is just that fucking polished Mm. he does he does have some stylistic characteristics like the use of of um diegetic cgi so he'll do interesting cgi camera moves that don't take you out of it he'll do interesting green screens that don't take you out of it but they're yeah. so subtle that you never notice they're happening yeah that's his um, genius fight club's full of that but not this one much less so because sorkin's yeah. involved and sorkin's like it's all about people and characters <laughs> and it's and about shit. facebook like you can't yeah know. yeah it's so good. It it just seeps into like the empirical experience of it. You know, that's that kind of thing. Same with VFX. Same with anything. The, the more you don't notice it, the better it is. The better you absorb it unknowingly, and it just becomes this holistic experience of everything. Yeah. Yeah. True. Anyway, yeah. I also really like this movie. Weird. <laughs> uh, is it is it one like one you would like compared to his other movies? What do you think of it? That's actually probably a better way of. Well, yeah, that's, I'm that's curious. an interesting thing, man. Um, uh, David, I like what you said before about how it mythologizes this story. Um, and I feel like that's how David Fincher does a lot of his films. Def- and, you know, yeah, despite Aaron Sorkin 
having this really dialogue heavy film it, it this film especially does this really clever thing where this most salient part of i guess the drama is not the themes about um how about the impact of social media on the world but you know the, the most salient thing is the conflict the human conflict between eduardo and mark and mm. the themes get sort of like you know not buried but they they're far from the the most obvious thing and yeah. but it's still there. It still evokes it like very profoundly, and I, I think that just speaks to how poetic this film is. Uh, I think personally, this is like Finch's most poetic film somehow. I I, I wanted to, to yeah, in comparison to those, I wanted to what extent that's Sorkin's influence in if you if you read the script for this film and then watch the film, Fincher adheres pretty much literally to to things like blocking and stage directions and transitions, hmm. um, but he puts his own spin on it. So it's it's almost like he's contained by the constraints of the story and the blocking of what Sorkin's put on paper, and in doing so is is kind of free to be more subtle. Because right. I think with a lot of Finch's other stuff, um, and you guys probably experienced this with uh, what you talked about last time, um, which was Sputnik, where it's like sometimes when a director gets too many hands on too many dials and buttons and knobs, it can you can kind of sometimes be like, oh, I feel their voice too strongly. It's pulling me out of it. Yes. Um, Wait, you listen to our Sputnik po- podcast? I, I listen to all your podcast, Aww, boys. Wow. Yeah. Every <laughs> have single, you seen it? Every single, Sputnik? Yeah, I have. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I listen to all your podcast, boys. I'm a big fan. Oh, though that well, that warms my heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah I listen. I've got I listen one viewer. To, yeah, I, I listen to you. I listen to you at the gym. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, it. it I, I think for me, I know we have to get the summary, but I, I think for me, like comparing it to his other films, it has a level of deafness in its execution that everything else he has, everything else he's made has, but maintains a subtlety that some of his other stuff periodically lacks. And mm. I think that comes from the collaboration and working with mm. someone else who is intensely interested in subtext. Yes. Uh, yeah, that in contrast to a movie I watched yesterday, Maholland Drive, um, you can tell when oh. David Finch's uh, when David Lynch's dialogue comes through because it sounds like he's never talked to a human being before. Like, <laughs> uh, isn't that movie really yeah. cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, another podcast, another podcast. But like, yeah. Anyway, it's um, like, yeah. Anyway, I think I think this movie is really interesting from a retrospective point of view, from what we know now of Facebook yeah. and the rise of social yeah. media. Yeah, and this film seemed to have some very prescient ideas about superficiality and the degradation of socializing in general uh i like how you know and all, all of that is like underpinned by the tragic irony that rests at the heart of this film's subtext which is that despite having this revolution of connectivity we are now more disconnected than ever um yeah. and you know that's that's also the bitter irony of mark at the end is that despite having 500 million friends or whatever you know he's he's just waiting for this one friend request from his girlfriend and i like <laughs> yeah from yeah, rashida jones which who isn't frankly <laughs> right um he yeah, surely could find someone else he's a fucking billionaire now well he did didn't he i mean he's married now but uh yeah, yeah he's got two kids but can he this is the thing about mark is like i mean we'll, we'll get to it when we talk through a lot of the the, exactly what Pat was alluding to, which is like the the themes this film is trying to approach. Like, as a human on this planet, Mark Zuckerberg has done some tremendous things and some tremendously awful things. And I think this film tries to approach both from the perspective of like, what is it like to be caught in the vortex that is Mark Zuckerberg, mm. and that is what Eduardo has to experience. And then you have the puppet master of, or the sorry, the self-fashioned puppet master in Sean Parker. Um, my boy JT, uh, who sort of... Um, it's meant to be Jonah Hill. Is it? 
Yeah, they were originally <laughs> looking at Jonah Hill That's for his phenomenal casting, but then but then Finch was like, "Fuck that, no." JT's a way better fucking casting. <laughs> yeah. He's so much more threatening and a friendly. Jonah Hill's way. a bit yeah. fat for him. Yeah, Jonah Hill can drop some weight though. He's he's slim. He's slimmed down for some roles, and he looks fucking true. That dude, that dude still is still the fat guy to me. It don't matter. It don't matter what weight that guy is at. He looks fucking hot. <laughs> Jonah Hill is a hot dude. Um, but yeah, it, it to me at least, I think yeah, when it comes to those themes of disconnection, despite creating this vast network, that is at the heart of what this is trying to approach. And to what extent it's able to achieve that, I guess we'll get into. But yeah, it you're absolutely right. Like that's the thing I keep taking away right. every time I watch it. And you know, that's it. It seems like it withholds that sort of feeling from you until the very end at least it did for me until the end where he he sends that request to his girlfriend then and then it all hit me about how how reserved this film is in in addressing those issues of like you know the grander scope of the impact of social media and stuff yeah there's a lot of restraint i guess instead of asking rashida jones out he well sorry he does ask her out she says no because for professional reasons she can't um is that the lawyer yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm just. I don't know what the. I don't know what the character's name is. But the. Ann Perkins. Yeah. Ann Perkins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rashida Jones, the actor. Ann Perkins, the character from Parks and Rec. Um. He asks her out. She says no for professional reasons. And then Mark, being the the fucking soy boy he is, goes online and adds his ex girlfriend as a friend on Facebook. Like I think that's supposed to be such an. In- it's the film plays it as just like kind of almost. I not not hopeful, but it it's sort of. It's like oh, he's resolved to make make amends. But really, it's just like him being a little bit lonely. of a coward. Yeah, lonely and being a coward, and we've all been there. Hmm. It's easier to reach out to an ex online than it is in all person. Right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not the host, but uh, yeah, should we do I the plot? We should summary? do the summary. <laughs> 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 yeah, Pat scrolled up several times, <laughs> and he gave me the eyes before. No, I was just paying attention. All right, can you take <laughs> us through a plot summary, please, Mitchy? In 2003, 19-year-old Harvard University sophomore Mark Zuckerberg is dumped by his girlfriend, Erica Albright. Soon afterwards, Zuckerberg eventually designs a scandalous website where members of the university are able to rate female students based on their attractiveness. His coding expertise attracts the attention of twins, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. They invite Zuckerberg to work on Harvard Connection, essentially a Harvard-exclusive social media platform aimed at dating. Zuckerberg approaches his friend Eduardo Saverin with an idea for The Facebook, a social networking website that will be exclusive to Ivy League students. Saverin provides $1,000 in seed funding, allowing Zuckerberg to build the website, which quickly becomes popular. When they learn of The Facebook, the Winklevoss, the Winkle, Winklevoss twins... Winklevi. <laughs> yeah, the Winklevi. <laughs> When they learn of the Facebook, the Winklevoss twins are incensed, believing that Zuckerberg stole their idea while keeping them in the dark by stalling on developing the Harvard Connection website. They raise a complaint with Harvard President Larry Summers, who is dismissive and sees no value in disciplinary action against Zuckerberg. As the Facebook grows in popularity, Zuckerberg expands to other universities and meets the well-known entrepreneur, Sean Parker, co-founder of Napster. Parker audaciously presents a billion-dollar vision for the Facebook that impresses Zuckerberg. They suggest the changing of the name to Facebook, which is obliged. At Parker's suggestion, the Facebook headquarters moves closer to Silicon Valley while Saverin pursues financial support in New York. Parker gradually influences Zuckerberg's decisions, which angers Saverin, who cuts his funding to Facebook. However, Parker secures a massive $500,000 angel investment for Facebook. Due to the disagreement between Zuckerberg and Saverin, Saverin is tricked into agreeing to have his ownership of the country diluted from 34% to 0.03%. Saverin sues Zuckerberg. 
the Winklevoss twins also sue Zuckerberg for intellectual property theft. Rather than facing an unsympathetic jury, Zuckerberg agrees to settle with the twins in Saverin. Alone in the final scene, Zuckerberg reluctantly sends a friend request to his former girlfriend, Erica Albright, and repeatedly refreshes the page. The end. Fuck, that was a long plot summary. He did well. Yeah, he did well. Pat has this... <laughs> I don't know what to describe this image as in the... Uh, oh, that was, that was Mitchie's work. Is that you, Mitchie? There is an image in this document of <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg with, I guess, alien drink of water, drink of water, and ca- like like uh, uh, Android from Star Bro, Trek data come on, eyes. You don't know the conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, you know you know why he has that haircut, right? Why? Because he his his idol is Augustus Caesar, and Caesar had that haircut. <laughs> I shit you not, he literally fancies himself Caesar. Go online and, and if you Google Mark Zuckerberg, honey, yeah, but wouldn't you if you had a hundred billion dollars? Absolutely not. I get a cool haircut, like a cool. I got dyed my hair blue and shit. Google Mark Zuckerberg honeymoon pictures. Anyway, anyway do you know the conspiracy? Of, of which conspiracy? He's a fucking lizard. He would be, yeah. <laughs> that checks That's out. A, he's like he's like him and Doctor Phil are the two biggest candidates. Doctor Phil? <laughs> Why Doctor Phil? I don't know. It's just what did he thing. do? That Dr. Phil's a real one. Have you seen his YouTube channel? Dr. Phil's a real one, man. He's out there vlogging and shit. He's still alive. He's doing shit. He's kicking it. He's got a big, thick mustache. Still, he's doing his thing. It's adapted well. I was having dinner in the Kirkland Dining Hall with Mark, and I had the chicken with me because I had to have the chicken with me at all times. This was college. Somebody's going to have to answer for this. 969. And the dining hall was serving chicken for dinner, so I, and I had to feed my chicken. So I, what, I took little pieces of chicken, and I gave it to the chicken. Someone must have seen me because the next thing I knew, I was being accused of forced cannibalism. I didn't know you couldn't do he, that. So this is my Zuckerberg insight, and I'm sure I'll yell about him at the end anyway. But he fancies himself he fancies himself to be Augustus Caesar. That's his role model. And on his honeymoon, it's just pictures of him going to like famous places that Augustus Caesar did stuff at. And then also his wife is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is this being like, you know, I, I, I'm like... I'm going to be the, you know, there needs to be an opposition here for old Zuckerberg because I don't know much about him. So Duh. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. <laughs> okay, I know. A but little. like, what if it's just this twisted, someone's just twisted his, like, he, maybe he just likes the history of Caesar. He does, but he's also mm. outwardly said, that is who I want to be and I will one day rule nations. Like, he said it out loud. So, well, he, but yeah, pretty much to, has, doesn't he? Yeah, to what extent that stuff is interpretable? Like, he says this stuff he a lot. more money than small countries. He, well, he installs internet in small countries and then makes their only avenue for access to internet Facebook and then doesn't <laughs> install customer care centers that speak the language of the countries he invests in and then is shocked when his platform is able to uh enable genocide in those countries via groups that are dangerous because no one on his team can understand the language they can't pull the pages down and then when those particular countries and activists in those countries who are insurgents to things like uh cleansings of particular ethnic groups raise concerns that particular pages are maybe inciting race riots or inciting inciting ethnic cleansing um mark then claims that it was the facebook's team's response that enabled them to enact on these ethnic cleansings and then the activists come out and they're like no we reported it and they did nothing we had to report it like 10 times this has happened multiple times ethiopia a few other countries like that um that's my disclaimer he's a bad dude Mm -hmm. that's all i'm saying he should okay. probably be in prison for, for for war crimes, 
or crimes against humanity at the very least with the with the the negligence he's enacted there is a single mid-level employee who is paid approximately 95k a year who is responsible basically for maintaining democracy outside of the u.s for facebook um if you want more details listen to the behind the bastards mark zuckerberg content they go through a pretty comprehensive well-sourced like uh catalog of his life um suffice it to say the dude now has done some shit that is like unconscionable but i kind of still like this fucking movie <laughs> and i find that hard to square away in like a socio-political context i guess yeah fuck man that all is right, some yeah. sordid fucking shit yeah yeah all right yeah. well that completely destroys one topic that i had of what was sh- of whether we should sympathize with zuckerberg well in the movie and in real life so clearly not in real, real life uh, well seems, okay but let's look at just the movie first yeah uh, let's start with the yeah. movie yeah let's let's think about the context like this movie was made in 2010 and if these events that you're talking about, like whenever they happened, were they after 2010? Yeah, so, yeah, like yeah. 2018. So, okay, yeah. so let let's let's just focus more on like this was pre-war the, criminal Zuckerberg. <laughs> this is, this, this is, was, you know, this is this, like the baby Hitler argument. Yeah, yeah, this is like this is like before he was like, what if we did another Reich? What if we called it the Third Reich? This is <laughs> the pre Fourth that. Reich. The four- <laughs> this oh is like well, this is truly like this is back when it was like Facebook seemed cool. Yeah. You know, that's the thing they talk about a lot in this movie is like, Facebook is cool and we shouldn't ruin the coolness of it. And that was clearly something that was important to Mark. And I, a, a theme that seems to, that is weirdly like broadly explored in this picture is the idea of like the American college experience and right. the idea of like fraternities and this, this bro dude, like that, the film opens by no coincidence with that argument with Erica where he's sort of, he's obsessed with finals clubs. Is that what he calls them? Yes. Um, yeah. He's obsessed with finals clubs and obsessed with the idea of these fraternities and that this is like your ticket to, I guess, prestige in later life. Yeah. This obsession with like, these are our formative years and it, I can't have the American dream unless I achieve this stuff. It's interesting how that reframes your perception of Facebook, right? Like if Mark's perception of social function utility and structure is founded upon the setting yes then and that's what he projects onto facebook as like you know this is this is well i, I you know he probably had some method of like how do we create like a hierarchy in mind but it's i think it's also just a, a candid reflection of his like kind of twisted view on like how things are like how well, his, people go yeah. about life his yeah. focus is like how do i get prestige and how do i become more fuckable right yeah because exactly. there's no one less fuckable than mark zuckerberg yeah if we're being fucking real like no but like in in the wow, least you're, you're grilling this dude <laughs> he's Jesus. a bad human but like the but no, <laughs> I, I, I stand if, separate from even the way that but even even in the context of the movie in the, of the picture we're talking about that is how it presents him Zuckerberg is the most unfuckable, and this is important to the context of the film, it presents him as the most unfuckable guy until he has the best idea and executes on it. And then yep. suddenly he's got hot chicks in, 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 in his rental house smoking giant bongs, and they get groupies, and he, he, he has sex in a bathroom stall next to his best friend. Isn't that the American dream? Like, if, if you just achieve enough, you can overcome your nascent unfuckableness. Mm. And that's a weird thing like that that i disagree i disagree with it conceptually i don't think that's how humans work but it's it's what this film presents as mark's worldview because this whole film is filtered through his perception because he's retelling a lot of these events right um there's a great i don't know who did it but there's a great youtube video where they separate the flashbacks told by mark and the flashbacks told by other people 
and the difference in his behavior in those. <laughs> and when it's Eduardo telling them, they're quite realistic and like not as mythologized. Whereas when it's when it's Mark himself, they they're, they're heightened. Those are the ones where it's like, we had the groupies and we did this and we did that. It was amazing. Um, that's you know the one where he's these, the friends are ziplining into the pool. It's like fucking MTV and shit. Um, whereas when it's just Eduardo or the uh, the Winklevi telling those narratives, they're much more grounded. Mm. Even though they're still quite quite excellent and quite elevated. And I just think that's interesting because like the film is about the college experience and I don't I speak for myself. I don't know about you two, but like that was something I never experienced at university. Like it just doesn't exist here. So it's like a foreign yeah. but, it's like a foreign planet. So, so this stuff that you're talking about that Zuckerberg said, did he say that after the production of the movie? But I said what? Could, what do you mean? Like you're saying that he mythologizes kind of the his, his own history, I guess. The idea of all these Oh no, I'm I'm know, saying girls and stuff. I'm saying the film does that. I don't Zuckerberg right, okay. Yeah, Zuckerberg doesn't. Yeah, cuz yeah. I don't think Zuckerberg's actually commented very much on the actual No, he's of he's this. tried to stay as quiet as possible because anything he says is going to be an indictment. Like he's he's in that position regardless of what he says where if he says no that didn't happen he looks like a bad well, guy like, and if, if he says if I was him I wouldn't give a shit cuz like mate this movie was like it, it made a fucking lot of money it made like 200 million dollars but that's still fuck all compared to how much Zuckerberg yeah, has That's a bag of potato chips to this guy like Yeah it yeah. literally is like piss all so like he would just be watching like I don't care if you insult me I think you this know, is you're still below me kind of attitude This is the best thing that could have happened for his image like he is he is was never and probably will never be as cool as jesse eisenberg plays him in this movie like what's he complaining about dick yeah but he's like a it doesn't matter he cool arrogant he's a cool arrogant dick yeah he wears adidas flip-flops and socks (laughs) so apparently that's so so the one thing that was literally 100 percent accurate zuckerberg said himself was the fashion that he was wearing (laughs) in that movie apparently they nailed everything he's like oh i will i remember wearing that i remember wearing that like apparently it was all accurate that's great (laughs) but not much else okay well uh we have something that we've been working on for a while and we think it's great it's called the harvard connection you create your own page, interest, bio, friends, pics. And then people can go online and see your bio, request. Yeah, how is that different from MySpace or Friendster? Harvard.edu. Harvard.edu is the most prestigious email address in the country. The whole site's kind of based on the idea that girls, uh, not to put anything in delicate. Girls want to give guys a good Harvard. If you and my brother don't have trouble putting things in Delta. The main difference between what we're talking about in MySpace or Friendster or any of those other social networking sites. Is exclusivity. Okay, so like in the years following or the decade following this movie's release, social media paradigm has evolved a lot, right? And like, mm. I think it's interesting, like this American fraternity slash college culture has seemed to just like shifted worldwide to Instagram. Because is that not what it is? There are, there, are, there are parties they hold in... I don't I don't know about Australia, but it definitely is in the US of um, you're only allowed to attend these parties if you have over 10,000 followers or something like that, right? It happens here. Yeah. I, I know people yeah, yeah. that go to shit like that. Yes. Yeah. So the this exclusivity um, has migrated and you know what? It's like... I mean, they're owned by the same people though. Yeah, I know. But no, my, po- my point is that like, you know, these this like superficiality that has always existed, it's not like... Mm. But it's, it's evolved maybe, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's interesting to connect it to Zuckerberg. Like, you know, is he should all the blame be placed on him? Like, he he just sort of made a medium for this to transition to really, and he got money off it. I mean, what are we blaming him for anyway? Uh, the creation like a, of social media. No, the the the, the transition social media 
transitioned at a point to being about in-groups and out-groups. And Facebook was the was the spark in that powder keg. In the same way that MySpace um, took music from being owned by record labels to being something that, that became a democracy, I think Facebook took social media from being about socializing to being about performing. You're right, like, the, the, the Facebook is conceptually fine, but... It's the it's the the context under which it was created, which is like you the the prestige and the number of friends you have and the relationship status and the the reason he created it naturally infected the product and naturally became the thing that now dictates what social media means. Like you're exactly right. Those parties where it's like you need to have X amount of followers. Also, don't go to parties. Right. There's a pandemic, but <laughs> those like those things that happen. Um, I don't think it's his fault because he didn't know any better. And that's one of the things the film I think portrays eloquently it never alleviates the blame from mark but it definitely points out like this kid didn't know any fucking better he literally was yeah. just trying to get laid like and i get that i get that as a, as a motivation in the film in the film yeah yeah in the film yeah and rendition yeah exactly yeah. that's what i'm just talking about I, i'm i'm just talking about the film here because we have no insight into his he's not written a biography Actually. he doesn't talk about no. that time in his life um so for, for our intents and purposes, knowing that Eduardo Saverin consulted on the book, which is the source material for this, so it's definitely painted from a particular perspective, um, that is the way he's portrayed. And to what extent any of that is verifiable, I don't know. But I get it. I get the impetus. And that's why when people are on social media doing this stuff and creating these toxic environments and creating this general harm for like our culture, I get it. Like I'm totally there for him. I'm like I understand the 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 drive, the impetus to do this shit. I understand the the nascent need to be connected all the time, to always be performing, to be performing an audience at once. But this one does something interesting where it's addressing all of this stuff, and there are a total of like four screens in this whole movie, which is really interesting to me. You get Mark's laptop at the start of the movie where he's he's blogging to blogging about Erica and blogging about Face Smash. You get people using mm. Face Smash. You get the initial concept of Facebook with when he adds their relationship status and the the, the wall. Um, which, by the way, yeah. for for those of you young enough to remember, uh, your profile or your page was originally called the wall, and I'm never going to forget that because it was like completely stolen from MySpace. And you get that last shot of Facebook at the very end of the film. So for a film so preoccupied with technology and social media, it never shows social media. And that, to me, is no. interesting. Yeah. I mean, do we need to? We know what it is. It's it's kind of like not showing the gore and implying it. You know, like it it, it leaves it to imagination, and you you know what it's like anyway because we exactly. all know what well, it's I, like. I think that just speaks to like how effective this movie is. That what you were saying earlier about how it mythologizes the story. I think while I was watching it, it like I could see the like the seeds of internet culture sort of around like oh man what was um there's a bit when zuckerberg says something like oh you know like if we make this website and we don't even have to scrounge around for information they give the information to us i don't know that's that's how these tech companies yeah, well like money. it's just such like a pertinent like you know an ubiquitous thing in the sort of sordid nature of what the internet is today and there's all these little like kind of tidbits throughout the film of um, that you can see all the beginnings of like all these issues that we that contemporary issues that we have today. Yeah, the the, the seeds that are going to grow into like the larger things we have to surmount now, where yeah. it's like you, you know you can use these platforms to do things like win elections um, illegally, and it's like 
we didn't anticipate that coming, but you can see it in that comment where he's like, oh, people are going to give us their information voluntarily. And that's, that's a crazy, like, that's crazy insight just from a, from an understanding of human nature, I guess, on, on Sorkin's part of like the, 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 that realization is actually crazy. If you, if you digest it and think about like how ahead of their time they were with this Mm. platform. Yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of, so in light of the recent, like of events that have happened around Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg of selling user data. Um, this film has an interesting, you know, new context with it. So obviously he talks about how people provide their own information yeah. and if it's already out there, then it's kind of nobody's fault how that gets used. Well, he his belief in privacy, this is kind of interesting to me. Like I've, if you've heard him talk about privacy, he's like, well, if you volunteer that information, we're not accountable for what happens to it. That's his, he said that and he fundamentally believes that. Like you see him, repeat that line a lot where there's a really famous interview where this dude these these uh this this interviewer is talking to him and he's like look uh you know when i first signed up for facebook back when it was really young um you there was an option you declared your interest um dating wise so you you would say like men or women um was a binary option and you could choose none you could choose like you could elect not to display it um, and Zuckerberg's talking to this interviewer and he's like, well, what did you pick? And the guy says, well, at the time, like I was kind of struggling with coming out and things like that, but I, I picked men because I'm interested in men. Um, and Mark's like, well, that's great. But you know, I, th- I think, and he makes some comment about like, oh, it's great that Facebook had some kind of like Facebook must be the, the one place in the inter- where, internet where the most number of people in history have ever come out in the entire, in the entirety of the human race. And that's gotta be good. Right. And this guy goes, yeah, probably, but yeah, and, and Mark goes, okay, well, what happened? He goes, well, you know, because this guy's a journalist. He's like, well, my concern was that putting this information out there, I work with a lot of like war correspondents in the Middle East and things like that. And some of my sources may not be necessarily comfortable with the fact that I'm homosexual. I haven't come out to my family, a lot of my family members. Um, and he explains to Mark, he's like, I took down, I took the status, I took the, the, the declaration off my page two weeks later when I got a few messages from people like aunties and cousins and things like that asking why I had men... Um, set to my preference and I the way that it describes it in the article and again this is this is journalism so like it's an interview but he's like Mark looked confused because Mark was like well you put that information out there I don't understand why you're upset that Facebook demanded I you mean elect, I you know yeah but so did he voluntarily put the information up there at the time you Same didn't have a choice you had to like pick and he picked like yeah he, <laughs> what so you so Facebook never had a choice not to so they, they had at one point in time you just had to put a preference down. You could not put a preference yeah, down. Yeah, back when I so back when saying. I joined, that was part of setting up a profile, yeah. And okay. and I I mean I mean but that's early days, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. But developed I'm, as a system as a whole. And I'm more being illustrative of this idea that like when Pat was just talking about Mark's philosophies around privacy and like this idea of selling data and stuff, I think Mark's view yeah. and Facebook's like corporate view that is expressed in this picture, which I think is accurate. To what extent I think it's ethical or moral is not relevant, but it's accurate to say the second you volunteer that information, they assume, okay, now it's no longer private data. Well, I mean, I mean, I kind of sort of agree to some extent, like personal data and, and privacy is the responsibility of yourself generally, right? You shouldn't go out there sharing all this information about yourself if you kind of feel like it could turn against you and backfire in the future and that's your fault if you put it up there because like like you you you, why would why would i trust facebook why would anyone trust facebook you shouldn't trust anyone on the internet that's basically being ingrained into us as children at least in my generation you know you shouldn't be sharing random information about yourself online so 
you know, to just assume that Facebook is going to keep all your data safe is just like kind of like not really, you know. Right, but I we I didn't grow up in that era. Like it for me this like I grew into this shit. Like I remember when Yeah, and and certainly especially back in 2003-4 when this and and that's a big focus of the, well not a big focus but a big part of this movie which I I expected a bit more of it but it didn't actually happen was more about the the kind of adapting the adap- adaptation of law to what happens in internet privacy because it's such a brand new thing back then. The internet only came out like in the late 90s, really like the idea of privacy was not very well known back then and so comparing now to then isn't really fair because i think privacy laws have developed considerably now and for certain you know facebook generally if if when you tick the box saying that you agree to share this there's always a box there that you've got to tick to share that you know like you and you agree to have that publicly kind of disseminated online that's your problem it's interesting i yeah i i agree to an extent i also think it's curious to me that this extends to that idea of like should you take nudes and things like that knowing that the internet's forever and all that like it's, it, it falls into like a larger conversation about who is responsible when things go wrong or who is responsible when yeah. things and, and and that's probably a broader discussion that we can't have here because it, it just extends it to so many aspects of life but the way that the film presents it at least i find interesting because it's yeah it doesn't dote on the copyright laws a lot like it it's sort of more interested in the character conflict that this court case creates rather than like the legality of the thing. And that's why and it's that's... a clean two hours, baby. That's what I like. And that's why it's a clean two hours. And it, it does. feels good. Yeah. Like I, I watched this last night in a single sitting. Um, and there are a few points where I was like, I could get up and like, I, so the way, <laughs> the way that I watch films now is I'm like, I got two beers in front of me. I'm good to go. And I just sat there and I watched it. And I, in one sitting, I was like, oh, I could go to the bathroom go for smoke i just sat there and watched it and the thing i'm struck by is how cohesive the things it introduces are like it it tiptoes into like oh how does intellectual property work and then immediately goes no that's beyond the scope let's focus this is about Mm. the characters and that restraint is exactly why the ending scene that we've talked about is so powerful because there aren't all of these like nascent fucking sociological political geopolitical issues interacting with the story it's like this is about the relationship between mark zuckerberg and the people in his life. Sean Parker, who turns out to be exactly the guy he always was, right? He's the guy partying with the underage kids, doing coke um, off off the, the, the girl's body. Um, Eduardo Saverin is the guy he's always been, the straight-laced, profit-driven financial guy. And Mark is always the guy that he's always been, which is the dude who is just trying to fit in. And does everything he can to do that. And latches onto people that promise him he can fit in better if he just follows them. And he does that to his fucking last in this movie. And it doesn't benefit him personally or professionally. Professionally, yeah. He's a fucking billionaire. Whatever. But the film seems to say he might be... He, he is, he's literally running his own government. Right? He's running a worldwide government. That is what Mark Zuckerberg does for a living. Um, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's happy. And I can't no, tell to, I, to, like, how does that resonate for you, Mitchie, as, as, a, as a theme, I guess? Wait, like, what do you mean? Well, like, because it's, it's like empathize with, in the same way that it's like sometimes uh, picking like a less contentious example. It's sometimes hard mm. to empathize with a character like Batman, who is a millionaire. Where you're like, well, he just has everything he's ever wanted. And he's just out there punching dudes in the street. I don't know for how bad I feel for him. Even if he is played by yeah. heartthrob Robert Pattinson. Um, 
to what extent you can empathize and sympathize with someone like that is tough. Um, when you know they come, they have so much means that it's like the menial problems of I don't have enough friends or I don't fit in. Sometimes, I th- yeah, I I, I, th- I think sometimes as a society or as a people, we have a we have a tendency to like forget that also they have to wake up in the morning and brush their teeth and shit. Like they they yeah. they go through the the daily motions of the stuff that we do. Um, so I guess what I'm asking like is because you come at this from a different lens, I guess is that ending of him. Not being sympathetic, but being empathetic. Where like you don't, you're not supposed to feel bad for him, but you're supposed mm, to mm. understand why he is the way he is, and why he doesn't, why when he asks uh, Anne Perkins out, it doesn't. She says no, and he immediately goes online and looks for recourse from a different source of affirmation. This is a dude who like doesn't seem to escape this curve of like I need to fit in, I need to be affirmed. He's still stuck in that college loop of like someone needs to provide me external value that's what that ending scene is like is that does that work for you in the context of this film or does it just feel like okay like is it just like a whatever ending (laughs) like no no i i I thought the like um i I briefly spoke to pat about it before but like the end does a very good job of turning the movie more towards supporting zuckerberg as a because the rest of the movie i was thinking like yeah, this guy's a bit of a dickhead. He's a smart ass. But then at the end of it, you realize like he is lonely. And yet he has all these, you know, he's made Facebook. He's a billionaire. He's got 500 million friends, blah, blah, blah. But he, at the end of the day, he is lonely. But I kind of interpreted it more of like, so the way I looked at it was, it, it was more about intelligence and him being this absolute socially inept person, but obviously very, very highly intelligent in other ways, which is why he invented Facebook. And I kind of kind of took it more as a as a commentary you know like personally this is what like I thought like just more of a commentary on what it means to kind of I guess this guy is very you know he's very successful in the sense that he's super intelligent made this thing yet you're so intelligent but you can't make any friends and it's kind of sad and I was focusing more on that aspect of it because a few days before I watched this I watched Goodwill Hunting and have you seen that? Uh, many, 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 many times. Yeah, that's that's my and that's the movie I put on when I need to cry. You know, when you get to that point, this is gonna expose me emotionally. You know, when you get to that point where you can't, where you need to cry but you can't because you're broken. I put that film on and it makes me cry every time. It gives me that release. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah it, it is very um, heartwarming film, and that's kind of like, and I saw that as kind of a, it's sort of inverse in a way to the social network where in goodwill hunting without spoiling too much you have this very intelligent person but he wants to suppress that and kind of live a normal life and he's like oh you know you know i and he in as a result he ends up having quite a lot of friends in that right like a good social circle but he doesn't achieve anything because he doesn't want to go out and become excel and go to a nice university and, and do amazing things while in the social network you've got mark zuckerberg and he's socially inept and i guess he's trying to make friends but he really has an inability to do so he's like he's like doing it the wrong way i guess yeah but he creates something that will forever be remembered in human history you know and and like it was just a different and it was just interesting how both of them kind of talk about what intelligence means and it's like yeah you can be like what's generically intelligent and smart like in Zuckerberg's case, you're very good at coding, and in Goodwill Hunting's case, he's really good at maths and stuff. But like, it necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean happiness at all. So, rather than the money aspect, I was kind of more focusing on 
having gifted mind and having an ability to do amazing things, but it comes with a sacrifice, and at least that's what the movie's saying, because you're socially inept. I had to swear an oath before we began this deposition, and I don't want to perjure myself, so I have a legal obligation to say no. Okay, no. You don't think I deserve your attention? I think if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, they have a right to give it a try, but there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my attention is back at the offices of Facebook, where my colleagues and I are doing things that no one in this room, including and especially your clients, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. Did I adequately answer your condescending question? So... We're talking about like social media and stuff. And what did you guys think of the whole Winklevoss, the intellectual property theft aspect of the film? I mean, Army Hammer is hot as shit. We haven't really, I thought that was actually kind of an important aspect of the film because why spend so much time on the Winklevoss twins anyway? I mean, yeah, Army Hammer's that good looking. I put him on screen. Also, I found out this is like not just him, there's like another actor with their green screen on. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, they got Josh Pence or something. Oh, okay. The other guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It's kind of funny. The, the aspect of like the what a, what a lot of people kind of overlook about this movie is the law aspect and the fact that, I mean, I don't think what he did was pro- intellectual property theft at all. I think Zuckerberg rightfully made Facebook, and I don't think the Winklevoss twins should have been able to claim money for that, but they did, and that's a lot of like a lot of people have watched the film and said that's like the real problem is. Sure, there's this whole idea of Facebook and social media and privacy and that, but another big problem is the law system in America and how you can get away with suing someone like that. And they got away with it and took $66 million or however much it was from Zuckerberg and Facebook because they were able to claim this. When in reality, if it did go like that, it's fucking not their right at all to take that money. And that's what's maybe, but up. like it evens it out due to the fact that like Mark was being like a pretty sneaky guy, not responding to them. Like while well, p- planning to True. You know, de- uh, detach himself from them and just take this idea and run with it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I but I don't. Was it his idea? And like, what would the twins have done without him? You know, like they they needed him. I don't see the problem. Like, because he already had the idea with face mash. So he, like, that's not it, the same thing as the Harvard connection, which is what Facebook is. Face mash is. Rate which I don't girl think, is hottest. I, 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 Facebook can, is yeah, yeah, Facebook sure. is build a profile so people can. But how can you say that the Winklevoss twins can like have the right to sue them and, and actually get money from that? Do you think that Zuckerberg partially owes them part of Facebook? Say yes. That, I mean, he that's stole, what we're saying. Here. The idea of the profile, which is the thing, the thing that Facemash didn't have, is the idea of a profile. The thing that Facebook had that made it unique from things like MySpace is that. You had a profile and people had to add, they had to deliberately add you for you to connect with them. MySpace, you can get fucking anyone. Yeah. You, you could look at anyone's MySpace page. You had to be friends to message. You could look at anybody's, anybody's MySpace page. The thing that Facebook had that was unique is like, you have a set of attributes you add to your profile and people can't see those attributes unless you friend them. That is the idea the Winklevi had and that is the thing Mark stole. And to what extent I agree. I mean, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know about stealing. <laughs> That's the thing that Mark made. Um, to what extent? Yeah, we're looking at the aspect of the movie, right? Like, I don't really know talking about in the movie. Happened. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but like Pat's right. Like if it, if if he wasn't stealing it, why are you gotta be so shady? Like <laughs> this fan, my yeah, my true, boys, my boys out here like putting his hoodie up and like running between lampposts. Like <laughs> what would the twins have done without him? They needed his the 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 idea of social media rests on coding. That's not right? how like, software works. Hang on, yeah, but that's not how intellectual property works. You can't just say like, well, the the, the guy that they paid to do the execution wasn't doing it that doesn't mean that the idea is like i don't know like if he didn't steal their code if they had initial code and he took some of that code then sure that's property theft but it's an idea and to what extent then can you be like oh he stole my idea like the firstly it's a very difficult thing to prove in court which is why the trial went on for the loyal the the thing went on for ages right and they got their money in the end because it was just easier to do that than to go to court but like but the reality is is like I don't know. I think I think most people would be in two boats about this. Like you could say Zuckerberg stole it, but I'm in the boat then say like oh, no, he didn't steal it. Like if if they were so concerned with it, why did they just sit back and let him keep making it better and better and then finally like do something i.e. doing something just suing him which is a lazy thing to do anyway. Why didn't they make something better than him? Cuz it's a- if they were really driven because they're not because they're <laughs> Cause it's pretentious America. entitled fucking Harvard twins. That was the Yeah, cuz it's know? America. Like-, like they're fundamentally as bad as him, right? Like they yeah, But the competition is what drives the idea these things like social well, that's media bullshit, is though, like because rest- because it all rests on competition. That's why No, it doesn't. You know, like- it, uh, that's free market capitalism doesn't work anymore in third wave in third wave economies like we have in America. I agree with you, like objectively, conceptually, yes. Unfortunately But the idea that these people can invent these things by themselves is is kind of like the hallmark of the nineties and early two thousands yes. with Facebook and Microsoft yes. and Amazon and all that kind of stuff. Apple, and Apple too with Steve Jobs. And Apple. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's just an important aspect. I think I think I don't think that they stole his property at all. That's just my. Well, they opinion. stole his intellectual no. property. They didn't. He didn't use their code, but he stole their idea. That's what intellectual property theft is. But what, what does idea mean? Well, that's, that's what they proved so, in like, court. What they proved in court. They didn't prove. They it. okay. They didn't. That's prove not how it. settlements work. What they they, they they demonstrated they had legal precedent to take it to a jury. But they had to go to court. Yeah, that's yeah. not. Yeah. And then and then it could have gone anywhere from there. But we we yeah. would never. But know but that at story. the very least, they had yeah. legal precedent to demonstrate that like so. And it's tricky because again, no one knows the details of this because it's all sealed but aside from this aside from this book which the movie's based on which was <laughs> consulted by the guy who won like Eduardo Savarin was the primary consultant so to what extent any of this is like particularly verifiable is irrelevant yeah. it's just an interesting conversation to have of like this like people land on different sides of this movie and you're absolutely like I completely get your reading I totally empathize I am out with it I get it I'm just embittened by the last 10 years of Zuckerberg's career. So I can't, no part of me can sympathize with the guy who's done the stuff he's done, but I totally get where you're coming Mm. from. And the other, the other aspect that's interesting is this is a movie based on a book that was created to tell a particular type of story and adapted by Sorkin to a screenplay presented to one of the world's most talented filmmakers to tell a particular type of story. So to what extent any of this has any relationship to material law in America or material law anywhere else is fucking questionable at best but the moral question the ethical question is interesting the the philosophical question this film proposes which is if if you're mark and you realize and now hear me out if you realize this is a good idea but these people can't make it happen like you look at these two privileged frat boys the winklevite right and you say to yourself they have a good idea but if i make it for them it's going to fail right the yeah. thing that Mark recognized is they will never make the Facebook. They will never make their own world 
government in the same way he could. The reason that Mark yeah. is free to do this is he is not tied down by legacy, heritage, privilege. He doesn't go to the dean when things go wrong. He sorts his shit out himself. He doesn't he doesn't go to Eduardo every time there's a hiccup. He sorts his shit out. He powers through. Makes some wrong calls, yes, but he makes decisions. And I think the thing that's interesting to me is like, who is more correct? The people that abide by the institution and then eventually went out? Because they do win out by the institution. They get a settlement. The Winklevosses get a settlement. They effectively prove to an extent legally, they don't set precedent because they don't go to a jury, but they, they prove effectively that he did steal their ideas. Or the guy who, quote-unquote, stole the ideas, to what extent we each believe that's true, whatever, but the guy who took those those ideas and made it successful is clearly objectively more valuable in a capitalist sense. This dude is worth billions of fucking dollars. Um, the Winklevosses are nobody. I mean, they're hot, but that's it. Like, that's all they got. So it's this question of, like, what is more objectively, or, or what is more important, or what, what has more value? Is it is it Mark's net worth, or is it the fact that, like, the thing that made him all oh, this money is potentially, you know, uh, ha- has this, this fracture, this fissure at its heart of, like, him maybe stealing? And, and, yeah. and, to, and to what extent that affects your perception of him, your mileage is going to vary based on your position in life your nascent privilege in life, your education in life, your understanding of wealth in life, your position in wealth in life. And that's what this film does that's really interesting to me. Is like, you can watch, you could give this to 10 people and they would come away with 10 different conclusions about Zuckerberg. Because it does have that subtext. It does have that that silence left to the imagination of like, it never says Zuck is a, uh, uh, <laughs> I tried to say Mark and Zuckerberg at the same time. It never says Mark is a bad guy or a good guy. It leaves that up to your own interpretation. And that ending is so ambivalent. I mean, to me, it's pretty clear world building wise what it's trying to say of its particular era. But as far as like your moral judgment, it never tells you, it never, it never presumes to be the arbiter of this narrative. It never presumes to tell you, hey, he's a good guy. Eduardo's a good guy. Mark's a bad guy. Eduardo's a bad guy. The Winklevoss is a bad guy. It just presents everyone as people and lets you interpret yes, that I yourself. I think you hit it on the head. The ambivalence is the most striking thing about this movie. It's, it's a bunch of complex mm. dilemmas with no black and white about it. And yeah, no, that was, that was well said. I think, yeah, if you gave it to a bunch of people, they'd all have a different opinion. Yeah, anyway. I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. Yeah. All right, what do we do normally? Recommendations first? Yeah. <laughs> do you have any? Fuck. <laughs> uh, you go first. I've got some. <laughs> I've been watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which is a show about similar things to this movie where it's like about like genius and like being ostracized and feeling like you don't fit in it's about the world's first female grandmaster the world's first female chess grandmaster um and oh is that the one with um anya yeah 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 your your girl it slaps man it's a great fucking (laughs) it's a great fucking show man um it explores a lot of the same themes of like yeah feeling like ostracized because you're genius and like I mean, it resonated with me because it's like addicted, uh, you know, addiction and substance abuse and stuff like that. Um, it's really fucking good. You got to kind of power through the first episode. I think that's probably its weakest, but after that, it, it really hits the stride. Okay. Um, I don't know. As always, my recommendation is a bit tenuous, but like, there's this documentary called, I think it's called Fire. It's about the Fire Festival, and it's an interesting little parable about. Um, these people lost way down the rabbit hole of social media and Instagram and how they've um, conformed their lives around every aspect of what they think that sort of lifestyle represents versus the reality. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. 
What about you, Michi? Oh, yeah. I suppose I could recommend this. If you want to see another movie of some fucking self-made billionaire, you should watch the biography on uh, Steve Jobs. That's He's acted by Michael Fassbender, who's like one of my favorite actors. Uh, yeah, um, I, love I think Aaron Sorkin you know. was going to write that script for a while. He was talking about it. He was talking about it. Yeah, he didn't though. Uh, also, um, the founder, which is about the guy that stole McDonald's. Right. Um, it's got Michael. Um, who's Keaton? Yeah. So good. If you're interested in these themes, that movie is fucking yeah, brilliant. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, he steals McDonald's from. Um, who's the guy from Parks and Rec? The bearded guy. Nick Offerman. Yeah, he steals oh, it from Nick Offerman's character. It's great. There's a lot of really star-studded cast. Check that cool. out. Cool. Um, yeah. Where can people find oh. us, Michi? People can find us on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. We have a website, amttm.com, and on there you can find our Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you have any questions, please send it through to mail at amttm.com. And if you've listened to our recent podcast, we are also on zeroindent.com. That's a, a website we've got with David here and... Basically, the way I'm going to summarize it is, if you like our stuff, you're going to like the stuff. Yeah, a lot of media uh, deep dive critiques and close readings of works. Yeah. Um, there you go. What are we doing next week? True Grit? Yeah. Yeah, right. I was thinking True Grit. Yeah. We haven't done a Coen Brothers one. <laughs> Why are you rolling your eyes, David? It's fine. <laughs> it's a fine movie. It's whatever. All right. Well, join us next week for True Grit. And uh, as always, thanks, David, for joining us. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. My pleasure. Will we see you next time for Fight Club? Um, I'll see you for Fight Club. Uh, I was going to plug some shit, but I, got, I just buy my book. Oh, now. yeah. Your yeah. second book is coming out soon. Yeah. That's all I got. Second book's out soon. Um, if you like the way that we talk about stuff, you'll probably enjoy the novel. It's like a low sci fi coming of age story. Uh, Maynardtrick.com. Uh, yeah. But I'll be back for Fight Club um, to yell about David yeah, Finch's. Nice. And also Brad Pitt's abs. Damn. And all the Pepsi. Damn. Mm. All right. Yeah. What about Edward Norton? He's fine also. I liked him in Hulk. Yeah. He had abs in American History. He did! And it didn't suit him. He looked kind of scary. He looked like emancipated. I think that was a point. (laughs) Anyway, join us next week. We all all learn something. (laughs) And uh, yeah, see ya. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.